like to welcome you to another episode of Money Matters Top Tips for Success, where each and every day I bring on new business owners, entrepreneurs, and executives and have them share their top tips for success with you. My name is Adam Torres. You can follow me on Instagram at Ask Adam Torres. Keep up with my book releases, book tour schedule, signings, all that other good stuff. Always love to connect with you there. And as always, if you'd like to apply to become a co-author of one of my upcoming books, just head on over to the website, moneymatterstoptips.com, and click on Become an Author to Apply. All right, so today is a very special Reunion 2020 episode. What is that? That's where I bring on a guest I had on in the past. I liked him so much I had to bring him on back. Uh, so today's guest is Chris Osmond, and he's Chief Investment Officer over at Prime Capital Investment Advisors. Uh, Chris, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me back, Adam. Oh, man, we're in 2020, and when I saw your show topic, um, alternative investments, how like potential ways and how people are using them uh, um, in their portfolios, I was like, oh, man, we're going to get into it today with Chris. I'm excited. Um, but before we do that, um, I do want to get a, a little bit more into Prime Capital Investment Advisors. Had a really great year, blessed year. Podcast audience grew quite a bit, and I don't want to assume that our new listeners caught the first one. So tell us a little bit more about Prime Capital Investment Advisors, please. Yes, yeah, so we are a registered investment advisor, or commonly known as an RIA, uh, headquartered in Overland Park, Kansas. We operate in three main business channels. The first is prime capital wealth management, so providing financial planning and investment management for individual investors, such as yourself and, and, and me as well, Adam. Then we also... Uh, spend a considerable amount of resources in providing asset management and participant education for institutional clients uh, in the management of their retirement plans, so 401ks, 403bs, and, and things of that nature. And then the other business channel is uh, solely focused on the participant education and financial fitness for life education um, so really providing boots on the ground participant education to uh, employees of uh, various 401k plans and retirement plans across the country. Uh, feel that through the financial wellness and participant education of a workforce, we can also improve the overall uh, operational efficiency of the company that we're also serving as the 401k uh, investment manager for. That's awesome. Um, so today's topic, um, alternative investment utilization. Um, I want to I wanna just start uh, the conversation by providing maybe a basic framework of how the audience should be viewing alternative investments um, in the context of an overall portfolio. Let's start there. That's a great, great question, Adam. And it, I think it helps to look at the, the evolution of alternative investments. Primarily, alternative investments were utilized by large institutions, foundations, endowments, um, you know, the state pension plans. Look at CalPERS, the, the California State Pension Plan, uh, you know, one of the largest pension plans out there. Primarily, would utilize alternative investments such as private equity, hedge funds, direct real estate, those assets that aren't traditionally uh, publicly traded, like U.S. equities, you think Apple, Microsoft, uh, Google, Amazon, uh, or even traditional bonds like U.S. treasuries and investment-grade corporate bonds, high yield, you know, those more traditional asset classes. 
where the what they call the endowment model would heavily utilize alternative investments because they had the purchasing power to go direct to these asset managers like the Bain, the Carlisles, the Blackstones, the KKRs, the, the names you hear a lot about with the private equity and taking companies pu uh, public through IPO and things of that nature where you saw a lot less utilization of those alternative investments was more you know mainstream main street where uh those investors that maybe only have one or two million in net worth but are are seeking that access to uncorrelated or lowly correlated assets to uh utilize within their investment strategy uh, with the intention of providing a superior risk-adjusted return. In other words, trying to maximize the return for the given level of risk that they're taking. And oftentimes, through the utilization of alternative investments, they're able to achieve that. Well, over time, the alternative investment industry has evolved. And we're starting to see investments available to across the entire accreditation spectrum from qualified purchasers, so that's going to be the the institutions that are 25 million and higher, uh, the individual that's 5 million in investable net worth or higher, to qualified clients that now we're at the 2.1 million and up, down to accredited investor that's a million dollars in net worth and up, and even in most recent years even down uh, the spectrum into more mass affluent where there aren't necessarily those same type of accreditation requirements. And they also offer more liquidity. I think that's been another major evolution within the alternative investment space. As you think traditional private equity, you have your, your capital locked up for seven to 10 years. Well, as the 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 industries evolved and moved more down market the investors who have never had access to this type of investment really aren't comfortable with that illiquidity that that is associated with alternative investments so we've seen an evolution where more evergreen products uh, have been created that rather than locking investors capital up for seven to ten years it's now providing liquidity, typically on a, on a quarterly or semi-annual or annual basis, to investors with the idea of, of going on in, in, in perpetuity. So we're seeing a lot more investors now implementing alternative investments into their overall investment strategy. Yeah, I mean, I love it. And, and the way I look at it is, and in a way, alternatives have kind of been democratized through, um, and, it, and it continues to be so through technology, through other things. I mean, let's talk about just even cost cost for a moment. So liquidity you brought up, but cost has also changed quite a bit by all these evergreen um, products, as you mentioned, um, coming about. So I mean, and just to, I mean for the listener, just to think about it, like before maybe the '70s, cost on on just on purchasing stock it was prohibitive um, it, for most investors that would be that are kind of in the market right now, like you're, you know, just getting started investors or anything like that. You wouldn't even have been able to purchase stock until those costs went significantly down. So let's talk about the cost structure and how that's changed. Yeah, that's a great point, Adam. And we think traditional alternative investments, whether they're, they're hedge funds or, or private equity, 
were associated with, you may have heard the term two and 20. In other words, you're paying a management fee of 2% per year, and then you're paying a performance fee, also known as carried interest, of 20% on the overall performance, typically over some hurdle rate known as a preference rate uh, or preferred rate. Uh, typically, you're paying that 20% above and beyond that uh, preferred rate. And so it can become very costly uh, to garner access to these types of investments where we've seen uh, with the evolution of, of technology to your point, but also the evolution of the, of the chassis at which these alternative investments are offered, we've seen the fee level also decrease where uh, many firms are, are not even thinking or considering of charging any sort of carried interest. And so rather than having that 20% taken off, then they would rather just charge a management fee and call it a day. And so we're seeing that evolution take place. Uh, another thing that is awfully cost prohibitive to alternative investments is also what's known as the J-curve. And so if we think about how investment and alternative investments are typically structured. It's in a, a GPLP or general partnership, limited partnership structure, where the general partner is finding the investments and taking and calling the capital from the limited partners or, or the investors within the, in the strategy. And they're still charging that management fee, right? So mm -hmm. you're still being paying that 2% on your overall commitment say it's it's a hundred thousand dollar commitment you're still paying two thousand a year uh, even if the capital has not been called or deployed yet and so you have this period of negative returns that are associated in the first few years of traditional private equity until the initial investments start to sell and are recouped, and then they start making distributions to the limited partners, and you start to see that return hopefully dip into the into the positive, into the green. Uh, where the evolution here, a lot of these evergreen strategies are investing in, in order to help mitigate that that J curve, that negative uh, years of performance, as well as, as fees that are being charged on undeployed capital. Man, that's awesome, and I, I mean, I'm a I'm a big fan of that because really, it's just it's just providing more value back to the client. I mean, some of the some of these structures, I think, were just kind of inherited, like they didn't necessarily ever make sense. But you start something, and I'm sure I'm sure when they first started, it made sense for some reason that I don't know. Um, but sometimes as time goes on, things change. You're like, wait a minute, why are we still doing things this way? Why are we still paying for this? I mean, sometimes you think about it, and you're like, hmm, there might be a better way here, Chris. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I, I love it, and that, I mean that's how we all progress, but not just as investors, but I mean humanity. I mean, somebody at some point said, oh, indoor plumbing could probably work, and I'm all glad they did that, right? <laughs> <laughs> I would agree. So I, I hope so. Uh, so, <laughs> so Chris, um, if somebody, and I could talk to you about this all day, I probably have 50 more questions. We, we could <laughs> definitely gonna have to bring you on another episode, but um, that being said, uh, if somebody's, uh, I know we just scratched the surface here today. If somebody, um, you know, is, it wants more information on prime capital investment advisors or to connect, um, what's the best way for them to reach out? 
Yeah, great, great question, Adam. And it, in order to find out more about Prime Capital Investment Advisors, I would encourage individuals to go out to PCIAWealth.com. Or if you're wanting to reach out to me directly, I can be reached uh, via email at Osmond O-S-M-O-N-D, at PCIAWealth.com, or on LinkedIn at Chris Osmond CFA CFP, or on Twitter at Chris Osmond CFA. Fantastic. Well, hey, Chris, uh, really appreciate you coming on the show today and sharing more about um, all the great work you're doing over at Prime Capital and, uh, Investment Advisors. And to the audience, as always, thank you for tuning in. I hope you got a lot of value out of this. If you did, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, uh, leave me a review on the Apple iTunes Store. Um, if you're watching this on our YouTube channel, Money Matters Top Tips, uh, don't forget to uh, Leave us some comments in the comment section. I mean, let us know your opinion, your thoughts on the turn of investments. And uh, Chris, thanks again for coming on the show. Thanks again for having me again. I really appreciate it.